March Madness may be over, but the Action on One Shining podcast is just heating up, and we will be delivering two episodes a week, Monday and Thursday. And on Mondays, we will have the Ringer's very own J. Kyle Mann to break down basketball and everything beyond with me once a week. And on Thursdays, we will have a jam-packed show full of amazing guests. We've also had some great guests so far, whether it's ESPN's Jay Billis, the icon Bill Walton, or our head honcho Bill Simmons. It's all happening on One Shining podcast. Come join us wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Spotify app now. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week, another episode of Off Guard. I am your co-host, Austin Rivers, along with my guy, Pasha Hagigi. What's up, my guy? What's good? I'm doing well, man. I uh, don't take offense to this, but I mean, listen, I can com- confidently say you're a good-looking guy. You look a little tired. I know you're chugging an espresso drink right now. You just got off of a plane. You look a little beat up. Tell me what you're going through. I haven't flown Southwest in about 15 years, and... Um, I got all that back in one day. <laughs> How was the experience? It wasn't that bad, honestly, man. I just, uh, it's so like the, the, the getting there early enough, you got to get there early enough, you know, bags are, or as soon as they let us on the plane, everyone's fighting to get a seat cause it's free for all. Everybody's running around and I get to the aisles, aisle, uh, exit row and, it was like a five seven guy sitting in the exit row window. I'm just like, that's cool, you know what I mean? Because I got position number eight, and he was like position number. I think his position said nine, but he was in front of me, and I like it was like awkward to where I was like, yo, I'm one spot ahead of you, but I didn't think this guy was gonna take the the seat, uh, but he did. So it was all good, and there was a connecting flight which I did not know, uh, which I was not made aware of. So when you got to I, the gate, it didn't say you connected in Nashville, right? Yes. When you got to the gate, it didn't, it didn't say Nashville? I didn't, I didn't even look. I, I just said it said 105, and I just sat down. I was eating my food. It was like time to board. So I get on the plane, and I immediately pass out because I'm so tired. I wake up, and they announced that we're about to land in Nashville. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. I was like, what, what is going on here? 
so I panic and I start like telling, texting people at ESPN. I'm like, yo, I'm in Nashville. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and come to find out, obviously, it was a connecting. So I had to stay on the plane and uh, fly here. Um, at least you don't have I, to switch planes. Sometimes they, sometimes they make you switch planes. There's a tight window and you're running through the airport. Listen, I got here safe and sound. In, in hindsight, you know what I mean? Like, I, everything's all great. I'm here. We're here. We're, we're on the pod. Um, I'm going to make it work. It's just what I got. Yeah, we went out this weekend and, you know, a lot of times, especially in Orlando, people will go up to you and they'll say, oh, you're Austin Rivers. Can I get a picture or whatever? This weekend, it was a little different. You were mistaken for somebody else. You want to tell the listeners who you were, <laughs> who you were mistaken for? Well, it wasn't any different. I, everything was still the same. You, you just loved that one person. You guys just couldn't wait for something like that to happen just for me to get recognized as somebody else. You guys think it's so funny when it happens too. This one's a good one. Um, I've never heard this one for you. No, I never have either. George Niang. It's tough. It's a tough go for me. I um <laughs> I uh I don't even know how to respond to that. I will say this. I love George Niang as a player. Hell of a um, shooter. Nice guy. Con- competitor. Got a little chip on the shoulder. Plays with a little, you know, a little umph. Um they call him the minivan. That's the nickname he has out there in Philly. Or he used to. He's in Cleveland now. But um, sharpshooter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, with all this being said, uh, I'm not fucking George Niang, so I don't I don't even know what the hell. And he came up to me and was just like, are you, are you this, are you this guy? Are no, you, yeah, the worst part you? about it is he pulls up a picture of George Niang, puts it next to your face, goes, and it's yeah, bright. Goes, His brightness was all goes, the way up. And all, we all just looked at him like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Like, what are you, what are you doing? And he was like... It's one thing to oh, see no. someone... And assume and get it wrong, but to have his picture pulled up, pull it next to your face, and clearly you guys aren't the same person. Maybe that guy was just on, you know, he was just two sheets. Well, he was wind. at a bar. Yeah, he he was at a yeah, he was at a bar, and I, I don't know what he what he thought was going to happen. I, I can't tell you. Um, what I can tell you is I uh, was just blown away by it all. It took me back. I took a couple shots after that. <laughs> but you know what the best, you know what the best part of it is, is, you know, we tell him afterwards, he sees your reaction. He thinks he's like, what did I do wrong? And me and my friend tell him, we're like, no, that's, that's Austin Rivers. And he goes, oh shit. Yo, Austin, can I get a picture? And you were like, no, <laughs> like, like, no, not now. I was like, uh, what we tell we, uh, yeah, we do we tell him? We're like, yeah, leave, leave me alone. Like, get away. <laughs> like, why would you, why would you like, now you want a picture with him? You even know who he was. You know what, man? I don't have a pet peeve right now, but that is one of them is people's, like, people's common sense is, is, like, I, I'm trying to, like, imagine myself going up to a human being and being like, yo, are you this person and putting the camera next to their face? And I don't even know them. And then, like, mistake it for somebody else and be like, oh, oh well, wait, can I still get a picture? Like, bro, like, just, I don't even understand. Yeah, you've just the, taken up the, five minutes of our of our night. Like, like it's, I don't know what you're doing, but. It's like a buzzkill. It's yeah. a buzzkill, bro. You know what I mean? And I'm always thankful for, for anybody that is a fan of the game. A lot of people that do want to take a picture with me, sometimes they might not even be a fan of mine. They just might be a fan of basketball and might be impressed that, you know, they met an NBA player, et cetera, et cetera. I'm always grateful for either or. Uh, and I don't mind being mistake, you know, someone, you know, mistaking me for anybody else. Um, it's just how people go about it, especially like we're all having a drink out. 
people ask me to have a, a picture at the bar. I'm like, bro, that's the last thing I'm trying to do, man. I'm, I'm here at a bar with my friends for a friend's birthday. Like, the last thing I want to do with you right now is take a picture in the background. People are like drinking, and it seems like I'm partying. Like, I, I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I don't say no to anybody. I don't say no. To, I rarely say no to people. So it's just like you know, um, it is what it is. I'm also like, I'm not like LeBron James walking around getting asked to take 400 photos. So it's like, man, if I got to take you know, a handful of them a day. It's like, who am I to say no? That's how I've always felt. And I, I knew you couldn't wait to bring that shit up. You look at you over there. Oh, yeah, we usually go out and someone, uh, mistakes, you know, it never happens. But guess what? This one happened. And guess what? Who do you want to tell them who it was, Austin? What kind of shit is that? <laughs> what I mean, that's not a funny story. If someone mistakes me for something funny, if someone calls me Borat, you're going to bring it up on the pod. No one, I've never seen anybody call you Borat. Never. But if, but if they did, and they have. I'm not bringing it up on the pod, but you couldn't wait. You, you know, you know, what's, you know what's interesting about you? You didn't even wait ten minutes into the pod. You didn't even wait until like we got a rhythm. You came right out the gates. Why you? You know, I thought uh, the goal welcome, welcome back. How's everybody? What's everybody up to? Hope everyone's all well. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what's all as well. This past week, we had a great time out, and uh, you know, George Dang, huh? Like <laughs> that was a good insane. way to loosen you up for some basketball talk, you know. Gotta get you gotta, gotta open you up a little bit. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Rough flight. I was just trying to, you know, a little comic relief. Jeez. All right. Ugh. Speaking of comedy, how about uh, you know, so we know that Anthony Edwards obviously was a guest on our pod before, and he talked about how KD was his favorite player growing up. And when someone from Adidas asked him who they want wearing his new signature shoe, he said, I would love if KD wore them one day. And KD saw that and he tweeted, I will not put my big toe in them, motherfuckers. And then someone from Adidas said, you're dusty, about, <laughs> you're dusty about the retire soon anyways. Is that just insane? And do you think that person got fired? Who, by Adidas? Absolutely not. They probably love that. First off, I love the response they deleted, by Adidas. They deleted, they deleted the tweet, though. Of course, of course, because it's not politically correct. But it, it was hilarious by Adidas to, to comment back. Because it's like, bro, I don't watch you anyway. <laughs> okay, we're so we're good over it. here. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm Team Adidas. I always will be team Adidas and I always and I always have been since I've been in the NBA. And I'm not putting any of my toes in any fucking Nikes. Not that anybody gives a damn, but I won't. <laughs> well, I'm not the basketball player Kevin Durant is, but I dress better. So, I mean, take it for whatever it's worth. My off-the-court fashion, how I... Look, I got this put together right here. You can't even tell. The fit I have right today, walking to the airport, a walking Adidas mannequin just walking through yeah, just to get sideswiped by some 5'7 guy to take the seat you wanted. Did you know favorites? <laughs> that guy was in Baby Gap. <laughs> okay. What is this? I'm not too far away from 5'7, so I have no comment on that. But anyways. Uh, no, nah, no. Nah. You know what's crazy is uh, I liked KD's tweet too. It was just like, it was mis... It was mis uh, you know, it was taken the wrong way. Uh, misrepresented, I'm sure, how he meant it. I'm sure he was trying to be funny. like Because mind you, this is a guy... The video goes viral of Ant talking about how he wants KD to wear his sneaker one day. Uh, mind you, Kevin Durant's one of the biggest Nike athletes, let alone basketball athletes. One of the biggest Nike athletes there is. And he's been Nike since he's came in, you know, to the NBA. He's definitely not wearing an Adidas sneaker. So, you know, he's like, man, I ain't put my big toe on that motherfucker. Like, just trying to be funny. And I think a lot of people took it like, man, he was trying to... He was saying you're his all-time favorite. You disrespect, you know, people just kind of continue to put him down or like try to find anything KD does to cause problems. But I don't think KD meant any disrespect by it at all. I think he was just saying like, bro, I'm, I'm Team Nike. always been. This guy has probably a lifetime 
multi hundred million dollar deal. I'm not stepping foot in a Nike in, in an Adidas. You know what I mean? So, yeah. which is funny in my opinion. So I thought it was both. I thought I, I wish Adidas would have kept it. Uh, obviously, they don't want to set that precedent that they're talking. You know, calling athletes dusty and this, this, and that. So I, I just whoever yeah, tweeted that's fucking comedy. Katie's um, having a great season, man. Dusty, come on. I know. I, I know it's nuts. He's fucking hooping. Um, but uh, yeah, no. Katie's the man. Uh, the tweet was funny. The response was funny. It, for the sensitive people in the in between who think Katie meant it in like a disrespectful way towards uh, Ant, he didn't. I think he meant it in a, disres- in, a, in a disrespectful way towards the brand of Adidas, which is the rival of Nike. However, people want to put that, you know, checks over stripes. I'm obviously stripes over checks. So, um, yeah, that's what. It what do you is. think about what do you think about Anthony's shoe? I love it. It looks good. It looks good, and I love that he got his own shoe. He's obviously a young, young superstar in the game. Uh, been calling it for a couple of years now, but especially after I got to play with him last year in Minnesota, I've seen that talent, uh, the confidence up close and personal. You see that his swagger and his demeanor, it's its all real. Um, and his game is blossoming right in front of our eyes, so he's definitely a star. Did you see James Harden's new shoe that he's been wearing too? I think those are about to come out. And I feel like you like James' last shoe a lot. I've always liked James's shoe. I've always thought James made good basketball shoes. He, you know, he always has. And his last shoe was really good looking. This one's different. Um, but his last shoe was a huge success. Everybody wore them. Um, and they look cool. They kind of had that vintage look to it, but they were comfortable, light. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's really cool to uh, see some of these younger players have their shoe. And then obviously some of the, you know, the OGs still left in the game, still competing at a high level, the Kevin Durant's, the James Harden's. Uh, we're seeing it both both tiers. Who do you think has the best signature shoe in the NBA? Signature shoe line? I think over... If we're talking right now, currently, or just consistency, you know, like their entire over the years, uh, I can't answer that question. I'm gonna go with an Adidas guy. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with James or Dame. James or Dame have the have had the best shoes. Speaking of shoes, Austin Reeves just signed another shoe deal with I think it's pronounced Rigorer. It's a tough one to kind of. Well, the what rigmarole. the rigmarole is going on? <laughs> and uh, no, he's a uh, he's got stake in the company now. He's a part owner. Um, is that something? If you never signed with Adidas coming to the NBA, that you would have been interested in? Uh, yeah, like for sure. Owner of a company, that, because that's where you get that power. Adidas or Nike or you know Under Armour or any of these major corporate you know shoe corporations and clothing brands, fashion brands are not going to give Austin Reeves any stock or equity or even probably money. Um, whereas he goes to a Chinese sneaker de- uh, company and gets a deal where he has his own sneaker. Um, you know, now he has stake in the company, has ownership, and he has kind of like more control over his, you know, vision and ideas of the sneaker, what it looks like, and et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's cool when players do that. There's off- there's obviously a huge market uh, overseas, and the biggest of which are you know is is in China, Asia in general, huge ambassadors of the game of basketball. So. Smart business move for him. And that's something that we talked about before with Austin Reeves is, you know, a lot of people think that he took a, a pay cut, a discount to sign with the Lakers, but you've mentioned previous pods that that's part of it, signing with the Lakers, though. You get other things. You get, you know, different shoe companies coming at you, right? Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, it's not even just about him as a player. It's about notoriety and views and the shoe being seen. So he signed $70 million with the Timberwolves. That's great in terms of notoriety and how much view viewership that sneaker is going to get, it's not going to be a lot. How many games are ESPN putting the Timberwolves on, you know, or TNT or ABC or whatever, you know, major nationally televised program, they're not putting the Timberwolves on. 
we play for the Lakers, just about every single game is on national television. And even the ones that aren't, they're still the views, the YouTube, Instagram, you know, when it comes to the basketball world of the NBA, you know, Lakers are top dog. They are the Dallas Cowboys of our, of our, uh, of our league. And, um, to have a player, I think, and, and listen, I'll be honest, even have a Caucasian player, um, who is in the lineup, uh, rotation. I know he's a six man now who competes, plays. And I say Caucasian just cause that is different in the NBA. It's usually, obviously the NBA is dominated by African-American to, so to have someone who's different in a league for the Lakers and appeals to a lot of people, especially you look at all the you know Caucasian white people who watch the <laughs> brand of basketball. They all love Austin Reeves. You go to any frat party, man, at, at any major university, you know what these frat kids are wearing? They're wearing, they wear like Austin Reeves jerseys and shit. You know what I mean? Because it's like, he's like the white boy in the NBA hooping. He's like their, their goat. You know what I mean? So like his market is bigger uh, than what his paycheck says, obviously. But like you said, you take that discount, you go play for the Lakers and like all these other great things are able to come, especially, you know, because he is a hooper and he's hooping uh, much better off the bench too. So it's a good move for him. Solid. I feel like every... You and me have talked about this before when you do wear a jersey and I don't think you're much of a jersey wear since you're an NBA player, but when you do wear a jersey, you and me talked about it. If you were to wear one to a pool party or something, you would want the different jersey though. So I think an Austin Reeves jersey, I think that's cooler than like a LeBron or people wear Kobe jerseys. You know what I mean? Like to wear that different jersey is cool though. Like you and me talked about it before. I said I'd pick a Vladi Divas jersey on the, on the Lakers. I think you went Rick Fox, <laughs> like something random. So yeah, I'm not yeah, hating on like people wearing Fox Austin Reeves or... jerseys. No, that's that's kind of it shows that you're 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 more than just like the basic fan, the average fan. When you know like the other guys, that's kind of like you get more cool points for it. You know, if someone comes to the, you know, a Knicks game with a, you know, I don't know, a Patrick Ewing jersey, it's like, yeah, that's cool. But if they come with like, you know, uh, uh I don't know, a Charles Oakley jersey or or, you know, whoever, you know, there's plenty of, you know, past good Nick players. You, the, the ones who are the unsung heroes, those are the ones that kind of count for a little bit more. I would yeah. Imagine. I go to a lot of magic games, as you know, and you know, you see a lot of, you know, Penny Hardaway, Shaq jerseys and everything like that. Dwight Howard. But if someone's wearing McGrady. like a Pat Garrity, Pat Garrity jersey, yeah, it's, it's, like a little, it's a little faded. You know I mean? like, I'm like, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's wearing like a Pat Garrity jersey. Or he's wearing like a, you know, Drew Gooden jersey or something, something where you're just like, oh, this guy was in at the ground floor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bo Outlaw, a little Daryl Armstrong. A little hard you get a little, hustle. You get a little, little hard and hustle. A little Don Reed. You don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about the hard and hustle team. Come on. A little, little John and Meech. And Meechie. <laughs> a little Corey Maggetti. Come on. We had a whole got a squad. Little Corey Maggetti. A little Jeb Bushler. I feel like we've talked about this before on the pod, but I would say once every few weeks, you're... You know, hoop mixtape goes viral on Twitter. It's all over the place. I see it everywhere. I don't know if it's my algorithm, but I think it's all over the place. And I know over the years, you know, at first you were kind of like annoyed by Baby Was Too Much. Uh, I feel like you have come around now to really appreciate that time in your life. Do you get annoyed or do you like it when you see it? Because I know you see it everywhere. I see it all the time. Every like two weeks, it just becomes viral again. And everyone talks about you and John Walls and, you know, they'll kill cars. How do you feel when you see it? I don't know, man. You know what I mean? At this point, it's like, what difference does it make? If, if I don't if I don't like it, I have no choice. It's like, why not even embrace something that's going to be a part of you? I I, I get that. Um, who makes a business or like Bottles Life stuff all the time uh, on a weekly basis? A weekly basis. In fact, I usually probably get it once a day. 
I go to a restaurant really? or I'll go somewhere and someone's, and someone's like, yo, man, big fan. Especially in high school, Mike. <laughs> lost, lost contact with me in the big leagues, huh? <laughs> yeah, you didn't make one of the biggest shots ever in the biggest rivalry in sports and college. No, it's usually, uh, <laughs> I usually get Duke stuff or it's usually Duke stuff or high school stuff. And then if it's, if it is NBA, it's, it's all two teams, bro. I get two teams. People love me with the Clippers, the Rockets, and then I get some Denver love. Uh, DC, I was not, I might as well not, never played there. I'm non existent. It never happened. Uh, the Knicks but it made, by situation. By the way, the DC, though, it made the mural. There's a little, the little, know, the, little, little wizard jersey of you back there. I know it's nuts. The, 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 uh, the, um, Nick's situation was, was I, I get like this sympathy love. I don't, I don't even know if I like it. People are like, yo, man, the way the Knicks did you was dirty, dog. I'm like. Those just might be New York fans in general, yeah. No, no, New York fans are like, yo, the way they did you, man, shit ain't fucking right. <laughs> ain't fucking right. I, I get that all the time. Or I'll get somebody who's a fan of my pops and it's like a Boston fan and your father, your father, Paulie, Sugar Way, Big Ticket. They were the, my favorite. Shawajan, Rondo. Why do you sound like they, Prison Mike? <laughs> you sound like Prison Mike. <laughs> no, not Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, back That's to the mixtape thing, though. The fact that you, you have to be pretty proud, though. I know we've... I understand how it can get annoying, but you got to be proud that you have... It's made such a big impression on so many people. that you've done, You know what I mean? Not a lot of people have done that. You know what I mean? Like you're a lot of people's favorite YouTube video. You know what I mean? You, you know, I, it, for the longest time, it bothered me that people would associate with me with something that I did in my past. And I hated that because I'm all about like the moment and the future. And I feel like I have so much more to give to the game. Obviously still as a player, even though I'm not in it right now, but even more so just as a basketball mind, whether that's in TV, media like this, or as a coach or in the front office in the future, obviously. Um... And I want to be known for those great things and not like something I did when I was 16 or 17 years old. So that's always kind of drove like a wedge, you know, in the middle. I've always felt like 50-50 about it. And as time has gone on, I've just been like more uh, grateful and I've just tried to like practice more humility in my life, understanding like you were able to have an impact to someone at some point in their life. And the fact that they still take that with them and, and like talk about this video means like it actually did resonate or you had some type of impact. And I get it all the time with like current players, younger players, because now that I'm older now, older, 31, most of the league, you know, these guys are 22, 20, 19. Uh, that's when it started to like, I started to really be more understanding and, um, you know, receptive to it. Where I'd have like young players come to me like, yo, man, I still watch your, I, I watch your mixtape like for like almost every game. I'm not going to say his name, but someone's, because I don't, I don't want to out him or put him out there, but like, a player went up to a trainer that I know and was like, yo, uh, he plays for the Magic. <laughs> and he was like, yo, you, you you train Austin? He was like, yeah, I still train him. He was like, bro, tell Austin I still watch his game before every night before the Magic game. For every time, before I go out into the court, I watch his, I watch his highlight tape and it gets me pumped up and I go out there and hoop. And this is the guy that plays for the Magic right now. And, you know, I've heard that like a lot with other players and to even have that type of impact no matter how small it is, I'm grateful for it. You know what I mean? Like, shit. There's a lot of guys who have achieved more than me in the NBA, but they ain't watching their clips. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I, I try to keep that in, in mind. 
I used to be not receptive of it, but I'm much better with it now. I'm really happy to hear you say that because I know for a while it was annoying. And I, I understand why it would be annoying. You're trying to build your own career and people are talking about something you did in yeah, the past. Yeah, bro. It's but... just like every day, bro. Like I, I would go have 30. I'd have a 30-point game, man. And I'm waking up and they're like, bro, you who missed it? I'm like, bro, I just had 30. <laughs> and you guys are still talking about that fucking mixtape, dog. But like, so like it bothered me. It, it, it got to the point where I was like against myself. Like yeah. I, I wanted that video to be off the internet. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want it. I didn't want it to be a part of me. And then, like, it got to the point where I was like, bro, this is something that you might as just, well, like, hey, man, listen. Uh, I I started, like, listening, even, like, hip-hop music. Nas talks about it. You know, he's like, I, I, I'm i never going to make another song like either. I'm never going to make, you know, Jay-Z's like, I'm not going to make a song like my first song. That's why it's called my first song, bro. Like, I, I'm not going to get those back. So I've learned to just now let people love those still. And for the people who love me for my new music, great. And if you don't, or if you want me to go back to my old me, I can't, bro. That's just not how it's going to work. So it's just like, uh, I've kind of felt that same energy. Uh, not to compare myself to those type of guys. But yeah, still. well, you know what, man? I think that's just a testament to how good the video was right? at the end of the day, if people keep bringing it up, right? Because if it was shitty, no one would it talk was, about it. It was, it, was the, it was a good video, and it was the peak of that era of Hoop Mixtape. They obviously have Hoop Mixtapes in Ballas Lives now, but because there's so much content and there's so many social media outlets and brands and videos, none of them resonate anymore. Where when I came out with that, it was the pinnacle of YouTube and the brand new emergence of social media and there was only so many videos Hoop Mixtape and Balls Life was putting out there. So it was like, bro, it was like me, John, and a couple other guys. Like, bro, it was just, those were the guys. And, and like, they followed you, they followed you uh, every game? It, yes, my junior and senior year. Uh, I, we have a lot of videos that I chose not to put out. They had like back footage stuff, like on the buses, on the plane rides. They have all that stuff that wasn't in any of those videos. I didn't want to do like a whole like follow me around type thing, but we did it anyway. But I just we just kept the mixtape about the games, but um, it's crazy to see that thing take a life that it has in terms yeah. of just like it's taken on its own life of its own. Um, but it's all good, man. Yeah, it's cool, bro. I um, yeah, that's all I gotta say about it. Can I ask you a question? It might be a dumb one. If you today played the Austin of those mixtapes, what's the score? Game to eleven. Probably like eleven four. I was just wondering. I was so I was so I was so, I was so athletic then that, in terms of like, me being able to rise and like block that eighteen year old jump shot like at a or a, or a layup at like contesting him in the bat, I just couldn't. He was so I was so I was so fucking explosive, um, off the ground. Where now I'm more so laterally, like my burst and my change of speeds now is like on a whole different level than what it was when I was nineteen or eighteen. But my explosion upwards at that age was like. You know, I was one of the more explosive guards in, in high school. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I just, I was so, I'm so much better now. <laughs> it wouldn't be close. Yeah. 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 Uh, so let's talk about one of your old teammates, Nikola Jokic. It, it was all over Twitter yesterday. There were no Nicola. NBA games last night. Yeah, there were no NBA games last night. So things were just trending in the basketball world that had nothing to do with, you know, whatever. But uh, Jokic, he leads the NBA right now in total points, rebounds, and assists. Should we just go ahead and it's December, what is it, third, fourth? Should we go ahead and it's just mail him the MVP? He just send it There's no chance anyone catches him. And you might as well mail it to him because he doesn't even want to accept it in front of people. Nor is it going to hang in his house. It's going to be in the back with horse shit on it. Somewhere in like a barn or yard. This guy's unbelievable, man. Leading <laughs> the NBA as a center in points and assists and rebounds. <laughs> it's insane. 
the three most like vital stats that people talk about. When people talk about numbers, like, yo, he averaged 25 and five. We ain't talking about steals and rebounds. I mean, I mean steals and blocks. We're talking about three things. Points first, assists second, and how many REBs are you pulling down? This guy leads all three of them. It's not even, and, and his team's one of the best in the league. You can gift wrap the MVP now. It's over. There's guys making a case. Giannis will have his moments. KD, Braun, uh, uh, Tatum, Book, Ant, you could Shay, Luca. Yeah. You know, all those guys have their own arguments and cases at different levels, but none of them are in the realm of Jokic is now at that point right now that we're seeing, and it's really been over the past couple of years. I know Joel and Joel uh, Embiid won the MVP last year, but we all know, we all know Jokic probably should have won last year as well. But Joel had such an outstanding season, and Jokic won the first two seasons before. And that's the way it goes. You kind of switch it up sometimes. You know, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan. Carl Malone, Michael Jordan. Michael probably should have won both those years. Kobe. You remember that? LeBron. LeBron can win the MVP every year at his prime. Like, you got to mix it up at some point. Um, well, I think that's why I'm really excited about... I do think, obviously, Jokic is going to win it. Um, it's crazy that we're saying that in early December. I do think it's good that the award's going back to the best player in the NBA and not the best storyline, you know? Like, oh, this year, that's, Russell Westbrook's <laughs> having a triple-double, but he, was not, he wasn't the best player that year, right? Like, you know, and that's no, no offense yeah, to him, right. but he just wasn't. No one would have said that. And it's cool that this year, I think we're just going to go ahead and just go, especially after Joel won it last year, but then Jokic dominated and won the championship. I think it's good that we're just going to go back to the best player in the NBA is this guy, and he's going to win the award. Not the best story. It's also or nice. Like it's it's nice that he is also like there's like some separation now on the board. It, it is Jokic, and then there's a gap, and there's everybody else. He's he is alone at the top. How big is this gap? I, I don't want to say it's a huge. It is a big gap. Who the fuck else is averaging points, rebounds, and assists all together, leading all of them? Teams team just won the championship. Team still top seed or one of them. They haven't even had Jamal most of the games. They're, they just like a well-oiled brothers. Bruce Brown don't come back. Jeff Green, they lose. They're plugging and playing random guys that you've never heard of, man, on that team. I saw a guy walk in the other night off the off the uh, Nuggets bench. I, I, who he was, I don't I don't know who that guy was. They're, they look like they just grabbed him off a fucking <laughs> Greyhound and threw him in there. It don't matter. They have they, they have they have the nucleus of that starting lineup there. Obviously, Jamal's been inconsistent with the uh, with the minutes due to health. But Jokic is the most dominant player in the NBA. And there is a gap. And I think it's pretty significant. I don't want to say it's like, you know, this big ginormous gap to the where, you know, one's in the realm of even ever being near him. But like, bro, there ain't nobody else. When we played NBA draft the other night for fun, me, you, and a couple of mutual friends, we were all like kind of scrambling. Which pick do you want? First, second, third? We all knew who, if whoever had the first pick, who the first name would be. And if you didn't choose him, you're, you're already, you're already like, yeah, this guy's an idiot. Like it's, it's unanimous kind of right now. Who's the best player in the NBA and who's the most dominant player in the NBA. And it's not close, bro. I just got to keep it hundred with you. It's Nikola Jokic. And then there's like 10 feet and then there's everybody else. Right. So is it the biggest gap you've seen since when LeBron was in his prime? Probably Braun. Probably, yeah. Probably when Braun was in his prime, there was a gap. And there was a couple of years that guys made it competitive. Last year, Joel Embiid, won the MVP because he was putting up insane numbers. So they gave him one. There were years when LeBron was by far the best player in basketball, but Kevin Durant's one of the best scorers we've ever seen. Kevin Durant was able to get an MVP. You know what I mean? Steph Curry, another guy, unbelievably dominant in the way he was able to score and shoot the basketball in his prime and his team was winning championships, the whole system, the whole thing, the nine yards. He won a couple, multiple MVPs. Um, you know, 
but could you say during that time period that any of those guys were better than LeBron James? No. LeBron James was in his prime at those moments and was by far the best player in the NBA. You just can't win MVP every fucking year. Some guys are really, really good and they're going to make it competitive. Uh, you know, Kevin Durant's a Hall of Famer. Steph Curry's the greatest shooter of all time. He's arguably one of the greatest point guards of all time. Hall of Famer. Are either of those two better than LeBron James and have a more story career than LeBron James? No, they know that. They would tell you, oh, we're not even in the same skies as LeBron James, is like the GOAT, bro. You know what I mean? That's how it is with like right now we're saying, and I'm not saying Nicole is going to go down as a GOAT. I'm just saying right now we are in an era where like Jokic is the most dominant player by far. The last time we've seen a guy being this clearly dominant and being the best player in the NBA was when LeBron James was in his prime however many years back. And he was just like, you know, by far the best player. There were just some great players that could challenge him, a Steph, a KD. What you're seeing with Yoga, whether it's, you know, a uh, uh, Joel Embiid or a Giannis who stole a couple, who also, I don't, I don't like using the word steal. They they earned a couple MVPs as well. Um, and there's great young talent, Luka and Tatums and et cetera, that are trying to challenge him. But like, Nicola's by far. And you know what's tough too about this one is, you know, they're going to give it to Jokic, but these days, the stats, the offense is so good that the stats for some of these guys that aren't going to get it are insane stats that would have won it any other year, you know, 10 years ago. You know, some of these stats we're going to see out there are crazy. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good point. It's tough though. The the numbers are a little bit skewed just due to the fact that we're in a different day and age of basketball. So it's like, I always tell people this, like you go back and look at Derrick Rose's MVP numbers. He might not even make an all-star game with those numbers (laughs) in today's game. Right. No, I'm, he had, bro, look at his numbers. It was like 24 and like seven or something like that. It's like, bro, that that barely gets it done in today's day. At the same time, we're shooting 53s and the speed is faster and the foul line is a little different than how people get to the line and it's, it's just a different game. So it's like those numbers aren't going to be what it is. It's no different than like, we, like you said, you watched a 90s finals game the other day and it was like 80 to 80. I, I'm turning on NBA games right now and it's 80 at halftime. Most of these guys are putting 75, 80 points at half. The more points scored, the more that's going to average. Kendrick Perkins, all these media personalities, we talk about it all the time. Bro, averaging a dub in the NBA in today's day is like, it's very doable. Very doable. If you have any bit of a green light and are playing 30 plus minutes a game, you can go average 20. If I, if I, if I got like 40 minutes, of, if I got 30 minutes a game and had like freedom, like, yo, we need to shoot like 12 to 15 shots a game. Posture, I'm giving you a dub, a game. No problem. Yeah, I even I, seen it like uh, like the, someone was comparing on Twitter the other day, or X, I'm sorry, uh, Tyrese Halliburton's stats right now compared to Steve Nash when he won MVP. And the stats are just not even close, right? But no yeah, one's giving Halliburton just, the MVP. Yeah. It's just a different time. Yeah, it's a different time, so you can't compare. Because if you, if you put those same guys, if I put Derrick Rose, if I put Steve Nash in today's era, then their numbers would be up higher because they would be playing a different game oh, style. Could you imagine rates are crazy. Fucking Derek, could, could, could you imagine Derek's usage rate if he was playing in today's game and the ball's in his hands all game, patting that shit? And he in this fast-paced game, his athletic ass is running up and down. You think De- you know De'Aaron Fox is great, bro? You should have seen Derek Rose in fucking Westbrook and John Wall in point. the prime. I don't I'm, like John Wall was playing a slow-paced game, only had a couple fast breaks a, 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 a game. Imagine him in today's game and John Wall and Westbrook and Derrick Rose's ass just running up and down the court all game using their speed. They would be fucking insane, bro. You know what I mean? So it's just like the game style is different. That's why it's so tough when we compare the Michaels to LeBron's. So, yo, Michael didn't do that, bro. If Michael played in today's game and shot six threes a game, probably would average even more points. You know what I mean? Like the guy was averaging 30 off mid-range fadeaways. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Like, bro, it's insane. This guy was scoring 14 field goals, 10, 12 field goals a game to get his 30, bro. Like, and today we got James Harden going for 40. This guy will make eight field goals, shoots 19 from 19 from the free throw line. Like, it's it's just a different era of basketball. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. In the Pacers lead the NBA in points per game right now, and I thought it was a Halliburton thing, but Halliburton missed their last game, and they scored 144 points. But TJ McConnell had 20 and 11. And the Pacers had 144 points. They right now average 128.8 points per game. That'd be an NBA record. Is offense, is the offense today, are the players just too skilled? Or is it the rules? Should they bring back hand checking, take away defensive three seconds? Like what, what could they do? They def- oh, taking away defense three seconds is nuts. Uh, but we, we, we can't do that. But we have to allow, see, the thing is, like, you, if you allow hand checking, it, it, it opens the door for a lot of gray area there where, like, now guys are guarding in a bad way. Like, if you could put your hand on someone, then, like, nobody's getting by you. Hand checking's nuts, but, like, maybe clean up the foul calls a little bit. And they've tried the sweep through. They got rid of that, even though they still call it. They, like, aren't really giving continuation unless it's, like, clear, but then sometimes they randomly give it to like the stars who get fouled at the free throw line and they'll lay it up. They're like, and one. I'm like, you know what I mean? So it's it, it's hard to regulate a lot of these rules. Uh, I, I do think it's it's just the evolution of the game simply, Pasha. I just think we're playing faster. Guys are more skilled. We're shooting way more threes. Uh, I always say you can always see the, if you really want to see the difference in evolution of basketball, don't watch an NBA game. Go watch an eighth grade game. Go watch a sixth grade game. Watch how many threes these kids are shooting. Where when we played, if a, if a kid hit two or three threes that game, it was a big game for him. Like, man, you hit a couple threes today. These guys are shooting. These kids are launching it. It's a three-point contest, man. It's either threes or layups. That's all these kids shoot now. So it's go like, watch, go watch women's college, women's college basketball. Caitlin Clark. Imagine seeing that yeah, she's 10, like launch, 15 years ago. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. She's like launching four feet behind the line, man. Like shooting a set shot. Just, just firing that sucker. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's just a different game. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to kind of make that 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 distinction. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with twenty five thousand miles on. I got it to over two hundred thousand miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car. You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, 
right? All-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We mentioned LeBron a few times already on this pod. We have to bring up him and Ime getting into it. I'm not, I'm, what do you think about a coach getting into it with a player? Not just a player, obviously, maybe, you know, one of the best players of all time, if not the best. Do you like that he stood up for his team kind of, you know, against the bully and show, you know, build his team up? Or do you think that's just not the way coaches, I mean, because on one side you have Popovich telling his own fans not to boo the opposite team. Well, listen, then you, then I you love have Pop. Then you going at LeBron and I, calling I, him I, uh, I, soft and all that. I mean, I love Pop. We all do. He's one of the greatest coaches of all time, arguably the greatest NBA coach of all time. That didn't make any sense. The don't boo. He's not on the team. He's shooting a free throw. It's not even a Kawhi thing, even though I know they were booing because it's Kawhi. It's like, bro, any other player that's not on the Spurs shooting a free throw, you boo him. You cheer against him. That's just what you do at a game. Let alone a guy who left the franchise, man. Okay, so he gets a hard time every time he touches the ball. They just boo him. It's not like if they saw Kawhi in the streets, it'd be smoke. They'd still want autographs and pictures. He got him a championship. He helped him win. He's etched in, in the Spurs, you know, fame and, and history forever. Spurs fans know this. But are they going to give him a hard, hard time every time he picks up that ball when he comes back to San Antonio? Yeah, you dipped and went to Toronto, and then you went to La La Land. We're, we're going to let you hear about it. That's it. It's nothing personal. Like, that's why I just, I thought that was, you know, not, I didn't, I didn't, care for that too much but I understand what he was trying to do and I think he's just trying to stick up for Kawhi and he thinks Kawhi gets a hard time every time he's there and I, I think to the same point that you saw Jason Kidd talk about like it's okay to like just sometimes just be positive with these guys man like show some love sometimes coaches can get to that point where they kind of like man I'm tired of y'all just being negative he probably heard Kawhi getting booed all game he's like yo enough man enough so like that's that's kind of where like you know you gotta understand well, both sides. Well, the negativity sides. wasn't the, even maybe the old school guys are thinking that because the negativity wasn't really like that back then, bro. In the '90s, man, you had Ahmad Rashad on inside stuff throwing a football in Michael Jordan's backyard, and it was all positive. You had Life no, was good. there was no repercussions, man, for their bad play, dog. If you had bro, a bad game in the '90s or the early 2000s, the only way you could even maybe hear about it is if you woke up, cracked open that newspaper, and maybe the writer said your name one line in there, like so-and-so didn't play well, or you saw your stat line. That's it. Right now, if you play bad, you get dunked on, you get crossed over, you get anything. It's not minutes. It's seconds. It is uploaded for the world. And not only are they tearing you down and making fun of you, they make memes and videos. Now you can even comment a GIF or a meme underneath the comments. It's just way different now. The amount of pressure we talk well, about even, this all even time. Even like this the is, media, though. I mean, it, it just weren't shows like that. Like Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. There was there wasn't a million shows back then just dissecting you. You know, what I mean, that's definitely more of a thing now. No, back in the day, I never. remember the you know the book Jordan Rules really you know came out very negative about Michael Jordan. It was a book, and that kind of like was the turmoil in 1992, right or 93 with the Bulls. So that was a book that people had to go read. Versus now, just like yeah, you got you turn on the TV. 
you have Sports Center where they are announcing what happened, but now a lot of it is people's opinion, right? It's opinion based, and you're part of it too. You give your opinion, right? There's, I mean, it's just the way of the world now. Yeah, it's it's just more immediate and accessible now. So it just it just it's harder. We, I mean, you we talked about that for for years. The amount of pressure that LeBron's had to go to in the social media area versus like LeBron or I mean versus Kobe or Michael, who were a little bit more secluded and safeguarded in an era. Can you imagine all those things that happened with Kobe, like happening in today's day and all the media, like it would be 10 times harder. Um, so it, it, social media is great for the game. It's great for the evolution of the game and, and, and all these things, but there's a price, uh, and it does in terms of mental health, it's never, ever been harder to be a professional. So, and I can imagine it's only going to get harder. So that's just part of the game. Let's get to the email side of things. Then we talked about, Oh yeah, but yeah, the email, the email stuff, man, I, I don't mind it because email's naturally from what I've seen and what I've been able to gather, a competitive guy. Um, he, he's one of those dudes that does come across that. He's done a good job of already um, turning Houston things around along with the vets, obviously, who are on the court doing the most. You know, he, he's done a good job in that. I think he, you know, went at LeBron trying to be competitive. Then I think he overdid it. Yeah. LeBron only said like, bro, don't use the B word. You don't have to call me a bitch. And, you know, that's pretty much what was said in the audio from what we've seen on the internet. It was just like, yo, you don't got to, you don't got to say it like that, bro. You don't need to be calling me no bitch. And I think he may kind of went at it like, you know, you soft, this, this, and that. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, he may never had to, he may not on the court, so he can kind of say whatever he wants. He is a coach. He could be as tough as he wants to be. Um, he wasn't saying that same shit when he was playing in the NBA. Well, I was going to ask getting, you, do you he's think his ass cooked? Do you think a big part of that is the fact that he's played against LeBron before in his career? So, yeah, I mean, maybe he looks at him and against him. And get, yeah, he probably plays at him, looks at him, he's like he's the same age of him. He's gotten deep fried by him every time he's probably ever played against him. I would imagine that he doesn't, you know, he probably looks at LeBron like, what's up, man? I'm here too. I'm, I'm coaching this team and I'm going at you. You're not just going to run up and down the court and just bully everyone. It's, it's, it is, and it's not that LeBron's trying to do that. He just does it by default of him just being who he is. Everyone's scared of him. Everyone's, you know, kind of wooed by him and like in awe of him. And he has this presence and dominance just because he is arguably the greatest player of all time. And he's the most recognizable athlete that we have in America. Um, he just is. Um, in, and in fact, if we're talking worldwide popularity, the only guys who surpass him are soccer players. And there's only two. Uh, and that's Ronaldo and, and Messi. And even then, LeBron goes anywhere and he just changes the room just with his size and presence. Um, so, you know, Messi and those guys are great, but, you know, Messi has the same body as uh, the guy that just checked me into this hotel. He just is one of the greatest <laughs> soccer players of all time. LeBron's like 6'8 and is like more of a masterpiece of a human being. The presence of him is something that's just, you can't mistake him for nobody else. So, uh, you know, I think, a lot of this goes into some guys, like you said, so many people hate LeBron just because they're tired of him. They're annoyed by him and they're annoyed by his greatness. I'm not saying that's what Ime was, but I think I mean, Ime played against him. He's had, you know, his his bouts with him as a player, now as a coach. Even when, you know, he LeBron was in Miami, Ime was in those Miami, I mean, on those Spurs uh, huddles. Ime's had his his battles with LeBron. So I think he... he He's trying to let his guys, you know, young guys know, like, bro, don't be scared of him. I'm going to talk shit to you in front of them and let them know I'm not scared of you. Would that mind you, like I said, if that was your coach? Hell yeah. Listen, if you're a player, you love to play for a guy like Eme, man. 
He's a fucking competitive guy. He's un- you know, unapologetic about who he is as a coach. He, he lights a fire. This is the same guy who told Jalen Green before they played the Lakers the first time or earlier in the season, like, yo, man, they put Austin Reeves on the USA team. They put you on the, uh, on the, on the scrimmage squad. Select team. That's what, that's what you were on. And he took it personal and got the best out of Jalen that night. He's a motivator. So I think in this case, this guy has obviously had times where he's played against him. He's coached against him. And he's probably had wins and losses at both sides. And he views LeBron as someone that he can compete against, even though he's not LeBron. I know he's just a coach. Still, I think it's about the message he sends to the rest of the Rockets, man. Like, I'm not here to be in awe of you and just be in the Staples Center. We're here to get a win. And I think sometimes that message can resonate. So I like Emei for Houston. Um, obviously, I'm being funny when I say he's been cooked by LeBron. We all have. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy who's competed against him for a long time. I think that's all that was. Sticking with the Rockets, they're the only team in the NBA that hasn't won a road game. And, you know, obviously... They haven't won from, a road game the entire year? They have not. They're 0-8. For, you're someone that's played a million road games, a million home games. What's something that they need to work on specifically to win on the road? Like, what do you need specifically on the road to get a W? Usually, a lot of times, communication. You don't have the crowd on your side. It's going to be loud at points of the game where it's going wrong for you and only well for the other team, right? They're cheering on their home team. That means when the other team is, has it rolling or going on a run, it's going to be loud f- for, for the opposition in times of chaos and times of not understanding. Really good road teams have like a really good foundation of communication already established. Uh, this is a younger team, but you brought in Fred Van Fleet. You brought in Jeff Green. You brought in Dylan Brooks. So you brought in um, some veteran play. They're going to need to channel that and use that more. Um to win some of these road games. And then obviously, like, you got to have these young guys continue to step up. Sangoon's their best player on the team. It's it's not even a question anymore. Anybody's trying to question what route Houston should go in in terms of building around. If it ain't that kid, I don't know who the hell else you're looking at. I think Jalen Green has a huge part of that, and he's a talented young player that they should pay a lot of money to help score and be a part of that team's future. If you're asking me who the go-to guy is throughout the game, it has to be Sangoon. Um, so they have a foundation there. It is youthful. With that comes, you know, a lot of failure and error, trial and error uh, on the road, especially. So they're going to have to turn that around, though, if they're going to make this play in or, or, uh, or make the playoffs like I kind of predicted before the year started. So we'll see. All right, let's get to the Eastern Conference. Jaime Jaquez, who we talked about from UCLA, the rookie. Uh, we talked about him a little bit last pod. He just won uh, Conference Player of the Month in the Eastern Conference. Should we start looking at players that come out of college and played four years a little differently now? Because I know we love the one and dones, and we look at players that went to college for four years, like something's wrong with them. You know, Why did they stay that long? Should we look at them a little differently now? Because you tell me, what is better for development? Someone that's in college for those four years or a one and done guy that's on an NBA bench for three years? It's all position, timing, et cetera. But position and timing, man. Uh, how strong is a draft class You know, at, at your position? Uh, what type of numbers did you put up last year in college? What type of numbers can you pull up next year? Can you get any better? Or is it going to be a situation set up to where you really just played well in college and you going back would be counterproductive? What, what type of coach do you have? Is he going to let it run? Do they, got a, do they have another freshman coming in who's just as good or is highly touted and it's going to fuck up your minutes or it's going to ruin your draft stock? Uh, uh, what team, What, what are you first round or second round? Are you have a guaranteed contract or not? Do you have an easy chance to play or not? 
um, you know, what team do you think your likelihood going to get drafted to? Is it a team that's going to be a rebuild where you're going to get to go out there and, and just fire away shots, but might be in a fucked up culture and might have bad habits attached to you? Is it going to be a win now team like he is uh, a part of the guy from the Heat? What's the name? I, I can't. Hame Hakes. Hame? Well, Hame is obviously in, in one of the better cultures of basketball. That's his biggest thing. Position, position, position. Draymond Green was drafted to the Warriors. Great organization in the up and up. He got to be a part of that. You saw his career panned out. Hame gets to be drafted to a team that was just in the finals last year. But for whatever reason, this summer wasn't able to really garner a lot of attention and free agency, wasn't able to move players around. Things didn't get done. So like their roster is 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 heralded as a organization it is. And they are the team that's trying to win now. Roster-wise, when you look at them, they're not like crazy deep in terms of like anything at the guard or even wing spot. So like the minutes are there. On, on a top-tier team. Situation, 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 timing, timing. And then you add to that this kid did play four years of basketball and he knows how to play and he's older and he's not like some 18-year-old who's wet behind the ears and like doesn't really know what he's doing. This is a guy who knows how to play and play winning basketball, uh, playing at a big-time organization like UCLA uh, program. So it's just, it's all like everything. Everything's put together in that. Like, that's how it is. The league's funny like that. I don't know what's the best answer for a kid. If they should go one year or well, four what about years. If you're, it's, it's, what, if, what about if you're a team drafting? I mean, I think you got to look at four-year players a little differently now. No, you definitely can look at four-year players differently. It, it, it's all about like talent-based position, what you need. I, I, the years really don't matter to me. If someone's really good after one year and ready to go, you take them. If someone's four years, but the, the NBA is all over the place with that stuff. It's like, uh, they, they want a one-and-done guy. And if you stay longer, they kind of pick your game apart. They don't view you the same. But then a four-year guy like this comes in and you like herald him like, oh, he knows how to play. He's a hooper. Uh, but then like the 30-year-old guy is like too old to play. Terrence Ross just like retired the other day, bro. Like if Terrence Ross got in shape right now, he could probably go be a good backup shooter, wing defender athlete for a team. I was just playing pickup with him three months ago. This guy was doing a twin of legs. He's still athletic. You think he can't play in the NBA anymore? Like, it's just like, the, the, there's no rhyme or reason why anything exists anymore. We talked about this. Are, are the best 400 players in the NBA right now? The answer is no. So I can't tell you what should be in, what should be out, what, how many years kids should go to college for, how, what scouts should look for. I don't fucking know anymore. No one knows. Some guys get it right, some don't. It's all based off a of situation, position, what your team needs. And where teams going to go? Bones Highlands, a talented scorer, man. He got drafted to the Nuggets. A team of win, just won the championship. Missed out on that. They were guard heavy. They got him out of there. He goes to the Clippers. Starts playing well. They get James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and all these guys come over there. And now, like, his whole thing's stunted. Is, does that mean Bones Highland can't play? No, it just means he's on two f- situations that are kind of fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, you put Bones Highland on the fucking team in the East Coast, he'd be another Emmanuel Quickly out there coming off the bench scoring 16. Emmanuel quickly is really good. You put him on the on the Clippers. How many minutes does he play? I, I don't know. He's gonna play over Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell and and all these big guards and like James Harden. Like he can have the ball in Quickly's hands. Probably not. It's probably gonna be in James or Russell or Paul George or Kawhi's hands. So it's just like it, situation is everything, man. Like it's it just it means everything. Hame is in a great situation, dog. He's a Swiss Army knife on a team that values those type of guys. So it's like it's perfect for him. And I hope they don't, you know, we always talk about the Heat being a potential free agent place for, you know, guys or you trade for them. Um, like a guy like Zach Levine right now, right? Like he could use a guy like that, but I don't think they're going to give up Jaime. No, they, 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 I don't think they, you know, it's crazy. It's like the value 
of how high it is with like a young guy just plays decently well. They're like, we're not training high. <laughs> like you don't even know how high the ceiling is. Like maybe he's like this next year, like two yeah, but years you got later. Him, like, you, but you got him under Ricky remember, numbers. Remember, remember, Ricky remember numbers, though. Austin Reeves, is, he's untradeable. We won't trade him. And like, what if he like, this is his, like, what if he's like this like three, four years later, where he's like a really good player, like a solid player, but like you passed upon that all-star once just because the 19 year old was putting up decent numbers. Like, well, he's off the table. We're trading anything but OG. OG, what's his, what's OG in Toronto? We were, he's, we're not giving him up. It's <laughs> like, what are you, something that's so funny to me, man. And then yeah, like I, two I months later, he's. When the Cavs had LeBron for their first thing, I forgot it was like 2007 or something. They wanted to get Amari Stoudemire. You know, he was available for trade uh, for the Suns, and they wouldn't give up JJ Hickson at the time. He was like the young, really good player. I remember he was That's untradeable. What I'm saying. It's like, bro, <laughs> but he and he was he was good in the pick and roll, had some dunks. I was like, JJ, we're not getting rid of JJ Hickson. Not not for Amari. I know Amari's talented, but we got a young, talented kid here. We don't know his ceiling. It's like, bro, y'all didn't give up JJ Hickson for Amari Stoudemire. It's like, bro, yeah. this happens all the time. It's like a young guy who played decently well. Tyler Hero, he can't, he will never get rid of him. Two years later, I mean, that guy is all over the damn boards. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's it just like, it's, it's, and then, and then they bring him back and they're like, we never shop Tyler. <laughs> like, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we doing, man? This week we have the end season tournament. Can I get your predictions? I'm going to, I'm going to name the game and you tell me who's going to win. Go ahead. Celtics at Pacers. No Przingis. Go on Pacers. Pelicans at Kings. Kings. Knicks at Bucks. Milwaukee. Suns at Lakers. Um, I'm going Phoenix. Out of all the teams I just named, who do you, who's your early prediction to be the winner of the tournament? I have Phoenix winning the in-season in tournament. Well, are all the guys going to play together? Is Book going to play with KD? I know it sounds like I, mean, I don't know if Beal's. I don't know if back. I don't know if Brad's available, but Book and KD are enough, and I just think they'll win this tournament. I think I it's either the Suns um, or Boston. I could see a feisty if, team if, like... If, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if everybody's healthy. I mean, is Book playing? Is Brad playing? Is KD playing? Is Halliburton playing? Is Porzingis isn't playing? Who the fuck's playing? I, I don't know who's in this. Right. I could see a team like, like Sacramento winning it just because they've never won anything, right? They didn't make the playoffs for the, you know, the longest drought in sports and all that stuff. So I feel like they'd want to win maybe the first one. Yeah, light that beam up. Get an in-season tournament championship. That'd be pretty dope for what it's All worth. Right. Are you excited to do another week at ESPN? I am. It's, it's always nice to be back here. Uh, obviously, Connecticut life, the Bristol life, you know, it's it's quiet. Um, but it's 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 nice kind of just getting this peace and quiet. Do you get up for when you're about to go on air for ESPN? Do you get up for it like in you know, the same way like you get up for like a game? Like what's the what's the routine like? Or do you just kind of... Let go no, I, I, I kind of just go over my notes. I go over my notes because uh, you know the difference is, man, on a podcast, I, I, I get to come in here or, or in a game, it's easy. You just tap into your natural and there's only so much control you have in the game. You know, there's like a tempo and a flow. Each game is a new game. Like there's games where you like start out the first couple of minutes and like you don't touch the ball and you're like, gosh, I'm not, I'm not like involved tonight. And then there's games where like you hit the first three, four shots. You're like, okay, tonight's going to be a, I can already feel like, so there's no, the, a game just happens. You just have to organically like, just let it go. A podcast, it's my time. It's your time. Me and you can talk however we, you know, however long we want. And they're going to cut it up and edit it and put it together. As ESPN, long as it's cool man, with the producers, we take up a lot of their time. Yeah, as long as, <laughs> yeah. ESPN, ESPN, it's, you have to say your best stuff first. You, you have a small little window and you got to come with it. I don't get time to like set up my answer, like how I am doing right now talking about it. I just have to answer it best case best point 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 
on to the next. So like, you just have to like, it's almost like a rehearsal. I have to like rehearse what I'm about to say sometimes before they even ask me it. So it's, it's just a little different in that aspect and it's live. Uh, everything I do is live. Like tonight I'm doing the board where I'm doing like the electronic thing and I'm like sliding around. It's like, bro, there's a lot of room for error. Like the thing doesn't, one time I did it the other, like two weeks ago and like the, the buttons weren't working and I'm just like up there and I have to like <laughs> on the spot live, like now be like, well, this isn't working, but this is what I want to show you guys. That I have to like do that on the fly. Otherwise, you look like an idiot. So it's like, otherwise, they're not going to ask you to do the board again. Next thing you know, you're like, am I doing the board tonight? Like, nah, we got somebody else doing that. We're going to put you in the... Uh, that, that's not what you want to hear. So it's a little different and nerve-wracking from that standpoint. Yeah, you're getting a little taste of office politics, something that you never really had to do your whole life. Oh, yeah, you're no, this is... This whole... this. Yeah, I've, I've told someone, man, that the biggest privilege I've had in my life is just getting really to this... My whole life being based around playing basketball. Um... And right now, like this is actual, I don't like to say actual work because I know this is still a lot different from a nine to five, but like, bro, flying into cities and like working that same day and I'm working till 1am tonight doing late shifts for like ESPN and like watching games and going over stats and writing notes and preparing my notes and then printing them out and then looking them over and, and remembering them and going out. Bro, it's like, it's, it's a job. It, it's, this is full work. It's a whole different, uh, uh new thing of life, but it, it's been fun, man. You know what I mean? It looks like, like, it's, you, it's it looks journey, like you were, so. uh, you were started the pod sipping on a gas station coffee that like, you purchased. I was bro. Like I <laughs> a double shot of, uh, uh, espresso to get me turned up for these next six, seven hours of work. I'm about to put in. So all good, man. It's, it's, uh, ESPN's taking care of me, man. They, 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 they take care of me well, they pay me well. And I, my job is still to go out there and talk about things that I love most and that sports more, more specifically, uh, yeah. basketball. So it's, it's a blessing. I'm excited to be here. Just as long as you squeeze in, you know, the ringer off guard podcast, just kind of, if you could just plug it in a little bit, well, you don't that, have to that's say that, my name cause you never do, but you know, and my name's not also on the artwork for this either, but if you just want to well, say here, it, here, here's, just throw it out there, who knows my picture's not on there either, but no one wants that either. No one wants the picture on the artwork. We definitely got to keep boosting you. There's no doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> the biggest, the biggest, <laughs> the biggest, uh, point I tell everyone is I love ESPN and I love working with them, but I don't own that brand. It's not my brand. Um, so I obviously am there to do a job well, which I want to do for them because I am a part of their team, but I'm not the president of that team. Somebody else is, and that will always be the case. Uh, off guard is our brand. And obviously we work in conjunction with the ringer and they have their own part in this. It's on their platform, et cetera, et cetera. But it is our brand that like me and you have built. So like that will always be a forefront because like that represents our names. Like it's a, it's a prideful thing at that point. So obviously we're not even a year within doing this, but that's always going to be a priority for me because like that's ours versus anything else that I do. So yeah, for sure. We got to keep building that out. And uh, it starts with everybody continuing to click, like, subscribe, tune in, tap in, uh, and, and listen to this every Friday and Tuesday when they come out. We're on our own feed, everybody. And then we remind you every episode. On but... our own feed, baby. Tap in. All right. Well, I'm excited to see you on TV this week. Good luck out there. Don't get nervous. Make sure you use the, uh, the screen, the big board. Wish me luck. All right, y'all. Y'all be safe. <laughs>